Good morning, FCBC. It's Palm Sunday. A very exciting day. It's the only day in the year when I can justify in church doing palm readings. Um, and you're meeting in person. Sorry I can't be there with you. One day that'll be able to. Don't know when and when, but when or where, but hopefully that will happen as things ease and as we all have our injections. I've listened with great interest to the series that you've been doing on prophets and their call to sin and repentance. <clears throat> I, I did miss a couple of weeks ago for um, two very simple reasons. One, it was Mother's Day in England. It's always different Mother's Day in England to America. And so by the time we'd got the, zoo, the family Zooms over where all the children and grandchildren had wished really happy Mother's Day, I thought I'd just tune in and catch what Scott had to say only to discover that your clocks had gone forward and ours hadn't. So um, I missed it. But I've heard the rest and I've heard with interest. And I was just thinking, is there a link between what you've heard and today? And I know it's very easy if you're a preacher, teacher, to contrive links. And so I've done that. But to me, our view of repentance is very often shaped by our view of God and sometimes vice versa. And what I see in this passage is, I think we see something of the real Jesus. And the more that we can glimpse the real Jesus, the more I think we understand something of God's heart for repentance. Now, probably like many of you here, my um, church background, I became a Christian as a teenager, not from a church background, but it was evangelical. And I was a part of some good evangelical churches and repentance was often preached, preached with passion, preached with uh, very strong words. And you got to the stage, I don't know whether you ever did, uh, you hear a talk on repentance. And so you frantically try and think of something you've got to repent of. And uh, it was, woe, <laughs> woe will fall on you if you don't repent. And so you'd almost end up repenting if you couldn't think of anything to repent about because my view of God was a harsh taskmaster. And I remember reading in Romans 2, verse 4, and it says this, the kindness of God leads to repentance. And that made me realise that how we view God views our understanding of repentance. I think the evangelical church at times has not done itself or God credit to the way that we've and judged and condemned people. A friend of mine was leader of what we call the Evangelical Alliance, which is a major network of most of the evangelical churches in the UK. And he was telling me several years ago when gay, when gay pride marches started, that one was starting in London. And he said he had a whole lot of emails coming in from people saying, what are you doing to protest these sinful people? And then he had a whole lot of other people saying, how can we show them God's love? And sometimes as evangelicals, we've been caught in this dilemma. Um, but when we view Jesus on Palm Sunday, a humble man willing to endure suffering to bring salvation, I think we can start to see it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And Psalm, uh, and Romans 2 
It comes after a passage that in the whole discussion about the gay sexuality issue, people use Romans 1. It says this about, uh, you know, uh, homosexuality, etc. But then it goes on to say, Paul says, don't judge. And then he goes on to say it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And I think sometimes in the church, we need to realise that showing kindness is more likely to touch the heart of somebody than sticking up a placard. And, and just looking at the gay issue, I know there's many issues I think we've got to look at and examine. And I appreciate that for some families in FCBC, you have embraced it, you have studied it, you've walked through the whole question in, in ways that uh, many others haven't because it hasn't affected them so personally. But whatever your view on the gay issue is, if, you, um, if you've got someone in your family and any lifestyle choice you think is wrong, what do you do? The kindness of God that leads to repentance. Some friends of mine years ago, um, their son came out to them as gay. And he was, I may have said this before, forgive me if I have, but um, his son was afraid to tell his dad because he Googled the Christian approach to homosexuality. And he picked up some very right-wing conservative views that, you know, stoning would be beneficial. And he thought, I can't tell my dad. But when he did tell his dad, his dad's heart just broke because he realised that his son was part of a subculture of people who couldn't readily access the good news of the kingdom. And so he, he approached me, I was leading a church at that time, and said, you know, I'd like to start a gay alpha. What do you think? And I was all for it. I, I thought it was great. But, but what he said to me is that they made significant connections with uh, several in, in the gay community. And he said, all of them said, we wanted to discover something of God and his love, but we went to a church and the, we were either to totally ignored and rejected, or it was, if you will change, we will accept you. And he and his wife started to show kindness. They would have them for a meal. There was one young student who was um, subject of some homophobic abuse in the hall of residence he was in, and so they took him in. But what was motivating him as a loving father was it's the kindness that if change and repentance is needed, sticking up banners and excluding won't do that. And so to me, the link between what we've been looking at in prophets and their call to sin and repentance and this passage is when we see the kindness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the sacrificial love of Jesus, repentance can be a natural overflow from that rather than um, protesting. Hope that makes sense. Uh, but... Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they all record Jesus is generally called the triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And what I'd like to look at is some of the responses by people to that. But to highlight two things that I feel deep down God is saying this is for FCBC. It was 
carnival time. It was holiday season. Everybody was in Jerusalem. And Jesus uh, sent his disciples to get a donkey, a donkey and a colt, some of the Gospels say. It was unridden. And so they they go and they find the appropriate donkey. I wonder what was going on in the mind of Jesus. You know, I wish I could have got inside his mind. Did he think, oh, I'd better ride a donkey because this fulfills Zechariah's prophecy? Or did he just think, a real king is a servant king and they ride donkeys, not the biggest chariots? Or was it both? But they... They went and they found the donkey. And I've, I'm intrigued by the response of the donkey owner and the people around. You see, in Mark's gospel, the people saw them, what looked like pinching the donkey. And they said, what are you doing? That's not your donkey, leave it alone. And they just said, the master has need of it. I wonder, um, because a couple of the gospels tell us it had never been ridden. Brand new. Bit like we got a new car last October and our car insurance uh, rules are a bit different in the UK. But if someone would have come to me on the first day I got the car and said, can I have your car because the master needs it? I would have thought of all of these things. I've never driven it myself. I, I would have justified it by, is he insured to drive my donkey? I. We would have asked those questions, but there was something compelling about the words and the request of Jesus. That when the donkey owner and the people said, the master has need of it, they said, OK, we'll go for it. I wonder, can we respond so readily? Are we willing to let go of things that may be important to us, may be new to us, may be precious to us, may be a financial asset to us are we willing to let go of them because the master has need of it but the people were watching um, as i said it was holiday season luke tells us that they the people were there because they were responding to miracles and in john chapter 12 verse 18 it says that people had gone because they'd heard of the miracles they'd heard about lazarus and for them, you know, if we follow this Jesus, it might lead to something that would make holiday season even special. I don't know if it's an expression that you use, but we often say it would be the icing on the cake. You know, a few miracles now, wouldn't that be great? And this man, he has done miracles. And you get the inference from both Luke and John that they were there because they were hoping for, expecting a miracle. And at one level, that is okay. I'm sure all of us would love a miracle from Jesus. And perhaps many of us could testify that there have been times when a miracle has happened and something has been transformed in our life or in the life of our loved ones. And while it's okay to follow in the hope of getting miracles, what they were doing they were being motivated by the buzz. And what Jesus was doing, he was riding in, not in a victorious, miraculous way, but he was going to suffer. It was a different journey. 
And it's so interesting that the people who one week who wanted the miracles were acclaiming and laying the palm branches down and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are the people who the next week say crucify him because they didn't get what they wanted. There would be some who would have trusted, hoped that this Messiah would have brought military intervention and set them free from Romans. And some, as I said, there because they wanted to see miracles. And we don't always get what we want. And yet our following Jesus shouldn't be determined by that. But what I read with significance in um, Matthew 21 verse 9 And Mark 11, verse 9, it says Jesus was in the centre of the procession. And this is one of the words that I feel that I trust is, is a word for you at FCBC. Jesus was in the centre of the procession. You've experienced loads of change. Covid has demanded that. Expression church has been quite difficult. For some, it has highlighted isolation. For some, it has highlighted loneliness. For some, it has um, highlighted bereavement as you've known or lost people through COVID. Some probably can't wait for things to get back to normal, whatever normal is. Some, um, And for you in FCBC, you've got the whole issue of the building. You might not be meeting in that building for much longer. I know a couple of years ago, was it, you were doing a whole series, a long series on Exodus. I think that was probably more significant now than you realised. Because you are going to embark on an Exodus period. At this stage, you're probably not sure where you'll be meeting, when you'll be meeting, how long you'll be meeting for. And for some... That change causes excitement and for some it causes insecurity. And my prayer for you is, and my plea for you is, can you keep Jesus in the centre of the procession as you move forward? Because just like in this um, entrance into Jerusalem, there were so many other things happening. There was the, the holiday season, there was the crowds of people, there was the singing, there were the religious leaders who didn't like praise being given. And Jesus, as we know, he said, look, if these people didn't praise me, God would get the very stones to cry out. There was all this going on. And yet in the midst of it was Jesus. And as you look at your future, there'll be a whole lot of things going on, a whole lot of balls being juggled. And some will be looking at it from a financial point of view. Some will be looking at it from a mission point of view. Some will be looking from a point of view of, you know, we've been in this building so long, it's become our home. There'll be all these things going on that could bring insecurity and frustration or doubt or, you know, uh, do we stay a part of this? Because just like the people seeing Jesus who wanted miracles who wanted something more effective you know there'll be other churches doing brilliant programs and they'll be making a lot of noise and it would be so easy to think yeah let's try there but my plea is as you move forward keep Jesus in the center of the procession because 
we can't predict quite how it's going to end up. But, but the next point that I want to make, in, in a couple of the Gospels, Jesus makes it's made reference that this is a fulfilment of what was said in, in Zechariah chapter 9. It's the fulfilment of a prophecy. And in John um, chapter 12, verse 15 and 16, it said the people didn't realise till later what was going on. So Jesus was riding in on a, the donkey. It had been prophesied. It had been predicted that, um, that it would be like this. And yet people didn't twig. Do you use that? I'm always afraid that I'll use expressions you don't uh, understand because different countries uh, pear-shaped was one but we've sorted that out uh, people didn't twig they didn't recognize it and it, it reminds me a bit of the couple on the road to Emmaus you know after the resurrection there they were despondent not sure of the future um, emotionally in turmoil and Jesus walked alongside them and they didn't recognize him and it wasn't until some time later when things had settled, when answers had been brought to their situation, they said, yeah, didn't our hearts burn within us? They eventually saw the hand and the words and the presence of Jesus with them in a way that they didn't before. And it says in John, verses 15 and 16, that it wasn't until later that people understood that this was the fulfilment of a prophecy. And I think my second word for you is um, there is always a bigger picture. There are things going on be, behind the scenes that are ultimately the real story. And I think, I hope and I pray that in a few years time you'll look back on this period. And you'll say, well, it was unsettling because it is. It was uncertain because it is. It was confusing because it is. But you'll look back and say, yeah, we understand now that the hand of God was in it. You see, if God has brought prophetic word for FCBC, which I know he has in many ways, and many of you will have it chronicled. Um, if God has brought prophetic word, what you're processing now, God's hand is in it. There's a bigger picture. And sometimes in the frustration of the uncertainty or the, um, the disappointment that things are, are going to be so unsettled for some time, we lose sight of the fact that there's a bigger picture. And my prayer and belief is that in time you'll look back on this period and you'll say, that's what that was about. Because what God wants to lead you into, um, geographically, but the real issue is our hearts and our minds and our spirit. But what he wants to bring you to is a place where all that he's prophesied to you and for you can be fulfilled. And so it's Palm Sunday. Prophecy is fulfilled, but they didn't realise it till some time afterwards. They were, some were willing to say, Jesus, take the donkey. I know it's brand new. I know it's my pet take it and some were um, making all the right responses but for the wrong reason but this kind loving sacrificial Jesus was making a journey into Jerusalem knowing that the outcome would be his death for our life 
he would lay down his life so that we might find life. And if that kindness of God doesn't lead us to repentance, I'm not sure what will. I hope you have a great Easter and I hope at some time in the great plan, I'll be back in Madison. It's great Zooming, but it's not the same as seeing you face to face. Thank you. Bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, Lord, um, help us to remember that in the midst of what we're going through and, and maybe in the midst of what we will en endure, that you're with us and that you have a purpose for us and a place for us um, in, in you and, and in, in the city um, and in the future. Um, help us to remember that you see the big picture and we don't, Lord, um, so that we can follow you wherever you lead and and let go of whatever you need, you have need of, Lord. Um, help us to keep you at the center. Your your kindness, your your love, your your peace, your goodness, your godliness. Um, and and help us to be people, Lord, in this season who learn to reflect that back to others, even in the midst of not knowing um, the peace, God, of looking at your face. Um, help us to reflect your glory in the world. And God, as we look to you and we see your eyes of love, help us to do that, Lord. Um, may we experience uh, joy um, that um, passes understanding um, and that we then can spread to others. Um, that you, you, you see us, you know us, you love us. And, and, and we, we, have a, we have a place, God, um, in, in your family and in your kingdom. Um, so, God, God bless us in this journey that we're in the midst of. And thank you, too, for Dave and his, his, uh, his wisdom and his leadership over the years. We pray you'd continue to bless him, too. Uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.